Now tonight I want us to turn to Second Corinthians chapter 4. If you have your Bibles with you, Second Corinthians chapter 4. And um, at least I don't have to apologize that I haven't got a speech impediment when I come here. Uh, <laughs> okay, Second Corinthians uh, chapter 4 and reading from verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our night affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. May God bless and anoint those words. And as we look at them tonight, let's bow for a moment in prayer as we quietly wait upon God. Father, thank you that we can draw near to you in the cool of the evening hour. Thank you, Lord, we can gather in your name. In absolute freedom, we can gather and have access to your word. We thank you for the fellowship of the saints. Oh God, forgive us for ever taking these blessings for granted. But we acknowledge that every good and perfect gift cometh down from the Father of lights, in whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We come to ask your blessing upon all that have gathered. You don't know what's going on in every life, the fears, the battles, the decisions, the various situations. We thank you we can bring each family, each individual, each parent, each young person before you tonight. We rejoice that you work with us all on the same basis, and that's the basis of your love. Draw near to each one, we ask you, and draw us unto yourself. Thank you for the faithful working of your spirit, and for the ways in which he works. We pray that indeed we shall know what it means to be conformed into his ways. We face a new week, Lord, with many challenges, and many uncertainties, and we come to place our hand into yours as we step into the darkness of the unknown. We place all that will be taking place. We ask for your protection for those who travel. We ask for your guidance for those who have to make important decisions. Some at the crossroads. Some will face crises. But we thank you, Lord, that you have committed yourself. You are with us. and You will never leave us, neither forsake us. For he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. What a place to abide. What a refuge to which we can go and find all the refreshment and the restoration and the wisdom for each day. Bless our families and loved ones, those tonight that could not be with us for some reason or another, some who have to work, and on duty tonight, and labor that we might rest. Those who are ill in beds, 
of pain, hospital wards, those in prison cells, in orphanages and old age homes, the lonely, the unwanted. We thank you, Lord, that we can present each one before you in prayer. We thank you for your grace, which is sufficient for all of us. And we pray indeed we might be conscious of your presence. Now, Lord, as we turn to your word, we thank you for it. And we pray for the illumination of your spirit. And we thank you that he is faithful. Bless this congregation. Thank you for your servants who labor here. Grant that indeed your grace will be sufficient and your hand of blessing will rest. You will lead, you will guide. And above all, Jesus will be glorified in all that he said and done in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I want us to look at this verse here in uh, verse uh, 16. (coughs) Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. The other day I was reading about a large uh, uh, cargo company that was using suctions to extract poisonous gas from some steel drums. Somehow the drums had got contaminated and the foul gas was in there and so they were seeking to extract it. The problem was uh, these were powerful pumps and they had to be careful to regulate the force of those pumps. Because if they removed too much air, then the pressure from the outside would cause those drums to collapse. Because there's no resistance from the inside. And as I thought of that, I thought of this verse. You see, many today are in trouble in their lives because the pressures from the outside are coming in from every quarter. The pressures are there every day. There's some new crisis. There's some new challenge. There's some new event. But unless there is on the inside sufficient to withstand the pressures from the outside, we collapse and we fail. And how tragic it is. And that's what we have here in the Word. Though the outward man perisheth, Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. It shows us here the two dimensions that exist in our lives. The outward dimension, which is obvious. The inward dimension, which many don't think about, don't worry about. And so easily it is drained. It's so easily empty, and it offers no resistance. And many today are trying to run their lives on an empty tank. You can't do that. You can try, but you're going to crash, you see. And that's why it is so essential that we experience that inward renewal of which Paul speaks here. Uh, I think he did experience it himself and the, all the, the pressures he was under. If you read through some of the things through which he went through, 
You talk about the tribulation. He, he experienced the pressures from without, the injustices, the demands. Uh, everything was there. But he had discovered the importance of the reality of the inward man being renewed. You can't live without that. Many try, and we're going through the religious motions. We practice what we believe. But if there's not that inward renewal of the Holy Spirit, you won't make it. And uh, I find as the Christian life goes on, it's harder to live the Christian life today than it was six months ago. You see, it's getting the intensity is there. It's so essential that we do not neglect the needs of the inner man. The two worlds, the outer world, that which is visible, that which is obvious, that which is public, that part which others see, that part that demands so much attention and so much time, that eats up our resources that controls so much, the, the outer man gets so much attention. What about the inner man? In many cases, the inner man is chaotic, dark, whereas it could be gloriously beautiful, and should be, because that's how God created us. We never created ourselves. Some people think so. You had no say where you would be born, you had no say when you would be born. You would no say who your parents were. You would no say what color eyes you would have or hair, uh, what gender you would be. You had no say whatsoever. God made you to be born at a particular moment in time in terms of his sovereign will. He created you and me the way he wanted you to be in his image. Long before you were conceived in your mother's womb, you were conceived in the mind of God. Amen. And he made us in this way, that we do have the outer man, the outer identity, but we also have the inner man. And this distinguishes us from everything else, from the plants and everything else, the birds and the animals. This inner capacity that's made for God and needs constant attention. Let's take a look at these for a while. <coughs> the outer man. The exterior. People to whom we relate and the things that are going on around about us. How demanding the outer man is. It demands your time. It demands your energies, resources. And we see how that the commercial world has taken advantage of the attention that we give to the outer man. In fact, <laughs> we have, for instance, the cosmetic world that has now exploded into a huge multi-billion business. It turns out products that make us look better, feel younger, and smell better. Creams are invented to smooth out the wrinkles and patch up the cracks. Colors and dyes are created to reverse the gray in our hair 
oils are massaged into our skin to make it feel softer. And advertisements scream out to us that we can knock off at least 10 years of our lives and of our apparent age if we eat, drink, sniff, or rub their products into our bodies. And we all fall for it, don't we? Well, what they can't do, along comes the doctors. And the surgeons say, well, they will stretch our skins to make us look a little bit more youthful. They will implant more hair to make us a little bit more bushy-headed. They will graft our skins in plastic surgery to put the dimples in the right place. They'll narrow the nose and chin down and help us look what we wish we'd look like. Alas, a surgeon can do so much. Now long comes cancer or a heart attack and we land in our coffin. And, but then the undertaker pitches up, digs into his cosmetic bag to make that final attempt so that all who see us will pass that wonderful compliment He looks just like himself, doesn't he? (laughs) The outer man. So concerned. And the amount of time we give to the outer man in comparison to meeting the needs of the inner man is quite significant. You see. It's amazing. Now, the problem is, it's what attention to the outer man, the problems it creates. For instance, if we spend our time and energies concentrating, focusing only on the outer man, certain things happen in your life. For instance, it deadens the spiritual nerve, and that nerve that should be functioning in faith gets deadened because it's neglected. We've heard so much about prosperity and have been so swamped by materialism for so long that spiritual views and blessings no longer appeal to us. These other things quench that desire, cancel it out, shunt it to Sunday morning, and that's all. It depletes our spiritual power. You see, friends, we need spiritual power. How are we going to resist the trials and temptations that come? And they come, friends. One unexpected phone call and your life is never the same again. You never know. One knock on the door. And if we haven't got that spiritual resource that we've been building day by day, what do you do under those circumstances? If we have... Not that within us which is above us will soon yield to that which is around us. And we do. You see, it takes spiritual power from within to resist what's going on from the outside. And by the way, outside, there is nothing out there, nothing to build your faith. In fact, everything out there is designed to destroy your faith. Did you know the most important asset you'll ever have is your faith? Not your bank balance, not your home, not your job, not your car, but your faith. When the Son of Man returns, will he find faith? That's what he's looking for. Now, what is faith? Faith is your response to God. Faith is response to revelation. 
you see. And how does the Christian live? The just shall live by their feelings. Hmm? That's how we live. The just shall live by faith. And the power of faith is not my knowledge or my experience. The power of faith is the object of my faith. Even Jesus Christ. You see, and it's our response to him that makes the difference. And God in different ways reveals things to us. Sometimes through his word, sometimes at church, sometimes through some incident. And as we respond to revelation, our faith is expanded. The most important thing you'll have is your faith. And no one can take it from you unless you let it. You see. But it needs attention. It deviates our spiritual energies until, friends, we concentrate more upon the temporal than the spiritual. Dries up our spiritual resistance. And mankind today minimizes pain and maximizes pleasure. That's how we live. The outer man. Is that how you live? Is the proportion correct? Or is there a vast gap? Then we wonder why our prayer lives run dead. We don't win souls to Christ. And the burning passion of the cross no longer burns like it used to. And we just take our spiritual blessings for granted. And that's how we live. But then we look at the inner man for a moment. It's the interior. That which is going on in the inside. What we feel what we value, what we honor, what we esteem, what we love, what we hate, what we fear, and what we believe in. (coughs) That's the inner man. It's the part of you that no man sees. It's that inner man, unseen to the outside world. But it's the part, friends, on which God evaluates you and me. Man looks on the outward, but God looks on the inward. What a challenge. The inner man. There is an interesting diagnosis between the two tensions. And we we face it every day. There's the tension of the imbalance. My inner world is not in cinch with my exterior behavior. Is there a balance there? Or is there a big gap? Or is there a a contradiction between the kind of emphasis we put on the inner man, the kind of attention, uh, the kind of commitment we make? We're more concerned with what others think or say, friends, than what God thinks. Someone uh, made a statement the other day and said we are afraid of offending anybody. We're so careful what we say lest we be guilty of wrong hate speech. But we don't mind offending God. And we'd allow his laws and commandments to be broken every day. And we don't worry about that. Uh, It's just our concern on the outer man and how it affects us. What happens to the inner man? You're living now in an environment, friends, whereby both in our country and here, we have legislated abominations. What do you expect? We are living in a culture now, friends, that says, God, we don't need your laws. We'll violate them, and we will seek to escape from the consequences. 
I was on the plane the other day speaking to, uh, witnessing to a lady who was an agnostic, and we discussed Hitler and uh, evil in the world. I said, don't you think Hitler did evil things? He said, well, not in his sight. It depends what you think, what your values are. If he believed that was right, although we don't like it, that's what he said was right for him. You see, each man is now doing what is right in his own eyes, and there is no measuring rod anymore. If you throw out the measuring rod, you can't measure anything. Then anything becomes right for you. God's word is your measuring rod. No other measuring rod will tell you how to live. Each man will do his own thing. And take a look around and we'll see the total chaos that this has created. The broken hearts and broken lives and miserable children. That's why in this country, friends, every year there are 5,000 unmarked graves belonging to teenagers who committed suicide. They couldn't handle it. Because that for which they were created never happened for the love of their families and the kind of treatment that they needed. There is the tension of insecurity. We are our securities, friends. I can tell you one thing. It cannot be in the scientists of today for the same scientists that will seek to create some kind of cure for disease will also create the atomic bomb. Uh, there's no security there. Anything can happen at any time. One mad, one mad man, one wrong button pressed, one miscalculation, and we could have a world in a lake of fire. Uh, where are our securities? You could wake up tomorrow morning and your bank balance has been frozen. Then, you see, I think I told you what happened one day. I was walking on the beach in, in uh, 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 Brazil. And another evangelist myself. And all of a sudden, there's Rio de Janeiro. All of a sudden, there's money all over the place. All over the beach. Now, you've never seen two evangelists dive. <laughs> Boy, we were there and we stuffed our pockets with all this cash. And uh, straight to the bank to change for dollars. And uh, the teller looked at us and smiled and said, forget it. They just changed the currency last night. <laughs> can happen any time what are you trusting in where does your security lie you see we're living in a day friends when anything can happen every week there's something new every week there's a new crisis a new shootout now, anything can happen where does our security lie well it doesn't lie in the outer world that we give so much attention to to the outer world that is virtually we are prisoners to our security lies that our souls are safe in the arms of Jesus. Hallelujah. That's where your security lies. That he has the final say on your life. Not the doctor or the lawyer or the judge. God has the final say because he created you. And just as he appointed the moment in time for you to step into planet earth, he's appointed the dates when you go. So who should we fear? Is he? And yet somehow people will defy Almighty God as if it doesn't matter. And you wonder how far he will allow it all to go. Judgment is inevitable. It's got to come. The tension of what we reveal and what we conceal. Because you see, we are brilliant when it comes to this kind of thing. How are what we reveal and what we conceal? 
we like to reveal a good Im um, impression and a good appearance, and that's good, and that's right. Meantime, we're laughing on the outside, but crying on the inside. Meantime, friends, on the outside, everything seems fine, but we are dogged by guilt and shame and fear on the inside. And we live behind a mask, and we play the game. Meantime, the inward man is crying out. You remember the story of the gentleman that was looking for a job. And he went from place to place, and he couldn't find a job. Eventually, he landed up at the door of a circus owner. And he asked if there were any possibilities of a job. And the circus manager said, no, we've got enough clowns, we don't need you. But, so he walked off, and just as he was going, the manager called the man back and said, hang on, maybe you can help us. We've got a problem here in the circus. You see, tomorrow all the kids from the school are coming to see the chimpanzee act. And last night the chimpanzee died. And uh, if you're prepared to put the skin of the chimpanzee around you, get into that skin, and do a few acts like a chimpanzee, we'll give you the job. Well, for some folks to perform like a chimpanzee is no problem. <laughs> So he gets into the skin and he is doing all kinds of tricks and he's swimming, swinging around on this rope. And as he's swinging around on this rope, suddenly something went wrong and the rope slipped or broke and he landed into the lion cage. And he landed on the back of the lioness and for the moment he forgot himself and yelled out, Don't attack me! I am not a chimpanzee, I'm a human being! Just then he heard another voice saying, if you don't keep your big mouth shut, we'll both lose our jobs. <laughs> it's the masks. It's the performance. It's the outward show, but not the inner man. And that's how we live. We are so concerned about others think that we don't worry about what God things who looks into our hearts the tension of what we profess and what we possess you see now the reason for this is that uh, the inner man's neglected you can't keep neglecting your spiritual inner man and think you can live the Christian life you'll run dry and spiritual drought is a painful experience. And it catches you out so often. We feel drained. It drains us. When the outer man is so important. And the inner man gets no attention. The inner supports that we need weaken. Now we live in Johannesburg. You know, surrounded by all these gold mines and you've got these huge mine dumps out round and some of those mines go uh, 2,000 uh, two mi uh, two miles down and what they, in certain places you suffer from what they call sinkholes we've got a, 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 a small city outside of Johannesburg called Cartonville they call it the holy city because there are so many sinkholes and uh, Every now and again, this thing can't go. The family woke up one morning, and the house next door had gone. 
So scientists got busy and said, now let's try and understand what's going on here. Let's try and do some research work on this and try and find out what causes the sinkholes. And the discoveries were that the underground supports wear away. And everything's fine on the surface. Meantime, the underground supports are wearing away. The water uh, brushes there and brushes there and it loses the underground supports. And then one day, just a little tremor, down it goes. You see, there's no support from the underground beneath the surface. That's what happens. If the underground supports are wasted away, collapse comes. Down you go. Then it's very difficult to try and rebuild those underground supports if you've gone down. You see. Um, there's sometimes internal contamination that begins to influence the support you've got. We, we've tried to incorporate into our Christian lives a, a, a compromise. We've tried to syncretize the two together and the two worlds can't mix. And that causes the underground supports to go. Tell me, how is your inner man doing tonight? You can be in church night and day, night and day. You can sing the songs forever. I can preach here forever. And at the same time, at the same time, I can be dead on the inside. Just because I get a pat on the back, I think I'm okay. Man is a strange creature. The moment you pat him on the back, his head swells. You see. What happens, friends? The inner man has got drained, has been so neglected that the collapses are taking all the time. We go through different kinds of stages when the inner man is dry. There's loneliness. You see, you can be lonely in the crowd. Uh, You can be lonely in a marriage. You can be lonely in a church. Because you've got nothing to fellowship with. There is guilt. Because you know, you find yourself saying, if people knew what was going on here, I'd run a mile. See? There's guilt. There's fear. Because there's coming a day, by the way, when everything's going to be revealed. There's confusion. And I find myself caught between that the good which I would I do not and the evil which I, uh, which I do, the good that I would I do not and the evil which I would not I do. I'm living that kind of life. That's because the inner man has not been catered for. Now the question really is, how long do you continue like this? Because the longer we do, the worse it gets. And the harder it gets. It took Joseph and Mary three days to discover, uh, 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 it took them one day to lose Jesus, but three days to rediscover him. You see, it's harder to get back. But you say, well, what is the solution? What are the dynamics of the inner man? 
So I long to have a heart that's overflowing with the joy of the Lord. I long to be able to be by the green pastures. I long to feed on the honeycombs that God has in store for me. I long for God's best, not to feed on the husks that the swine eat. How do I get there? Well, let me tell you, it's a, it's a process. Uh, a crisis comes that leads to a process. Your need, my friend, needs to be identified. If our greatest need was information, God would have sent an educator. If our greatest need was for technology, he would have sent a scientist. If our greatest need was for money, he would have sent an economist. If our greatest need was for pleasure, we would need an entertainer. But our greatest need is for forgiveness. And so he sends a savior who dies on a cross for your deepest need. Your deepest need. First of all, let's understand. We're talking now about the dynamics of the inner man, which we all need. Number one. It's the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That's where it starts. You see, when you receive Jesus, and I trust everybody has, I trust there's no doubt in your mind, if you receive Jesus, you're a child of God, you're a disciple of God, you have the assurance of eternal life that if you die tonight, you'd go to heaven. The fruits of knowing Jesus. Okay. But something happens at... That point, the Holy Spirit enters your heart. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his, the Bible says. Okay? So, the Holy Spirit enters your life. And he witnesses with your spirit that you're saved. He connects you to God's purposes and plans and the presence of God in your life. And you view life entirely differently. For if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All things have become new. Okay, that's the position in Christ. Now the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within you. You now belong to another kingdom. It's the kingdom of God. You sure about that? That's where it starts, you see. The second thing is that not only the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, but the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit. He knows our weaknesses. Thank God he does. He doesn't reject us because of them. He loves us. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more or love me less. He's just the same. Unconditional love. But he wants to clean us up. We've all got defiled in one way or another, haven't we? Whether we admit it or not. You see, he wants a pure bride. Who was it that said if Jesus came... Through a virgin, he'd expect a virgin bride. You see? He wants a pure bride. So he knows we've sinned and violated his laws. So he wants to clean us up. And the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And he wants to create new desires. But then he takes you on a walk. A journey. Down a little passage in your life. A passage that perhaps for a long time you haven't walked. And there are certain doors and certain rooms with doors. And he opens up this door. It's dark inside that room. 
there's junk lying in that room. He switches on the light and he pulls out all the junk that's been stored up in your life that's never been faced. And he throws it out. And the room is illuminated and comes alive. He goes to the next room, does the same thing. He goes down to the, uh, to the basement and up to the attic. And all the stuff that's been stalled there, friends, over the years that needs to get out, that's poisoning your system, needs to be cleansed. And the Holy Spirit is in the process of sanctifying your temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit. You see, your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. In the old kingdom, you do as you like, but not in the new kingdom. There are new rules in the new kingdom. And the rules of the kingdom are the Holy Spirit comes to possess you. And now it's a case of giving back what you took from God and how you live for yourself. You surrender these to the Holy Spirit to take control. You say, well, you know, I do that. But by the way, friends, we have to do that every day. Because somehow, even though we die to self today, there's a resurrection tomorrow. And we come alive tomorrow again. It's daily. Paul says, I die daily. You see, the cross does not get more comfortable. It doesn't mean all of a sudden now I'm going to live in another kind of twilight zone and everything's going to be great. No, friends, we face the challenge of the cross. This is the way the master walked. And the servant isn't greater than his Lord. And there will be trials. Satan will throw everything he can at you. He knows your weak and vulnerable points. He knows exactly how to trip us up, friends. He's after you. You become a target. But each day you clothe yourself with the whole armor of God. And keep your eyes on him and we become more than conquerors through him that loved us. We become numbered amongst the overcomers. This is his bride. Everything else is cast out. And then we experience the indwelling purpose of the Holy Spirit. To give you the reason why you were born. You know why you were born? Reminds you of the story of the men's Bible class. And in this Bible class, there were a number of men, most of them professionals. There was a young, a, a, a certain gentleman who'd been wonderfully saved, but he was a street sweeper. And the teacher walked in and said, now let's do a round here. And each one share with the others um, who you are and what you do. And they saw it. The man gets up and says, well, I'm a doctor. I work in that hospital. Uh, next, I'm an engineer and I work in this particular part of the city. Uh, I'm a lawyer and I'm certainly very busy. The street sweeper got up and said, I'm a child of God. What a difference. That's your identity. All the other identities go. They actually mean nothing in the final analysis of life. Thank God for them and for the hard work put into them. But that's not your prime goal. He's got a deeper reason that even as a doctor or whatever capacity you're in, friends, you're there as his witness. You're there as his servant. 
And he has a plan for some lives. Some lives he sends around the world. Others lives he sends out of India. Others he keeps here. Whether it's across the sea or across the street. You are here to be a witness for Christ. And God will fulfill it. And he'll use you. You remember the conversion of the Apostle Paul. He was Saul of Tarsus, remember? He's on his way to Damascus. And uh, he's on a mission to bind all who call upon the name of the Lord, to bring them back to Damascus for persecution. We all know what happened on the way to Damascus. Uh, Jesus appears to him and he falls to the ground. He says, go into the city called Straight. I've got a man there, and he'll help you. Ananias, I'm your Lord. Sorry, Lord, I'm busy in the committee. I'll call you out. You see. No. Ananias, I'm here, Lord. Yes, your one appointment in life that you dare not miss. I want you to go to the street called Straight. There's a man there. His name is Saul of Tarsus, and he needs your help. Now, here he goes. Here's old Ananias. But, Lord, just in case you don't know, let me tell you a few things about this man, Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> he argues back like we all do, friends. God never argues back when he gives you a, com- a mission. He says, go. And Saul becomes Paul. And Saul becomes the great missionary, the great apostle and you never hear of Ananias again but when we get to heaven one day and the bouquets are handed out Ananias will be standing next to Paul you see his one mission his one reason for being born was fulfilled that day ever thought what would happen if he wasn't around he didn't keep that appointment you see He has a plan for us. It's not the volume of work that I do for God that counts. You will not be evaluated on that. It's how faithful I'm being in what he's given me to do. That's going to count. Because we're part of the kingdom. We each have a role to play. We've each been given a place to find ourselves. And to be useful in God's purposes. And the worst thing you can do is to miss it. And go through life with the second best. Say, for instance, your bank manager called you tomorrow, and usually when he calls me, I start to shudder. But um, he calls you and he says, Listen, uh, you've got a benefactor. Someone's called in here and they've issued the documents that from today, for the rest of your life, you'll receive $1,440 every day. Every day for the rest of your life. Until the day you die. You ever shouted hallelujah? Hmm? $1,440 every day for the rest of your life. From today. But there's one condition, of course. All this is the fine print. You've got to use it. And what you don't use, you lose. Hmm? You watch me, I'll get to these shops. And, uh, I'll use $1,440 every single day. And what I don't use, I will lose. 
you know what? From tonight, you'll receive in your bank of time 1,440 minutes every day. Till the day you die. What you don't use, you lose. Lord, how much time have I wasted? How much time have I wasted? I'll never get them back again, not even tonight. It's gone. It's gone. But I can make a decision that, Lord, I'm going to make every minute count. I can make a decision and say, Lord, let me redeem the time and not end on a wasted life verdict. That's the worst thing you can do with yourself. So sad to go into some homes and see that. And see the regret written across people's minds and hearts and foreheads. What do you want to do with the one life you've got? Make it count for time and all of eternity. And the Bible says, I hath not seen nor ear heard nor entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. What an adventure. The most wonderful life you could ever have. I can honestly say tonight that if I had a thousand lives to live, I'd live every one for Christ. Amen. Everything else is a total waste. A total waste. There is coming a day when you'll have to give an account. This old gentleman was dying, wonderful saint of God. Pastor came and he said, Sir, do you still have the assurance? He said, I'm more sure of my assurance than my breakfast tomorrow morning. It's not the assurance that worries me. It's the accountability that worries me. But that's coming. But this is the time to prepare for that. This is the time to make sure the inner man is renewed. Day by day, just as day by day we are perishing, day by day we can be renewed.